Hello there, and welcome to Chakra Chronicles. We bring to you the latest information on international studies, immigration, and travel. For anything Jaguar, we've got you covered. Sit tight and enjoy all our episodes on Jaguar. Brought to you by myjaguar.ng and Glee Studios Production. My name is Aladi Kupo. I'm here to talk to you about Jaguar Chronicles. This podcast is centered on international studies, immigration, and travel. Our sole aim is to give people the best information that helps them move from Nigeria or Africa to their desired destinations. These moves would involve going for school, relocating for work, or just going for tourism. For more information, you can visit our Instagram page or our Twitter handle at Jaguar Partners. Today, we'll be talking about immigration options, aka what are my jackpot options. This is our second episode, so if you haven't listened to our introduction, you can check out our socials or check us out on Anchor or Spotify. I was just thinking of what's the funniest thing about jackpot that I have seen this year? Was it the guy that I saw on Twitter who was trending about missing Suya in Canada? I mean, you've left the shores of Nigeria. You cannot see a bookie again for Suya. And so many hilarious comments. People telling him where to go and get the spice and all that. Or is it the guy that talked about the POS business in Canada? I think his was the funniest. Things are very much different in Canada and the UK and other countries as opposed to our Nigeria, where everything is just so readily available for you. Nothing beats home. This podcast is sponsored by myjackpot.ng and Glee Studios, our recording partners. So today we are talking about our jackpot options. We will be touching on five options for people looking to jackpot. While we are predominantly in Nigeria, we believe that this podcast can serve people across Africa, particularly Western Africa. So we'll be touching on opportunities that are available as a young adult or just an adult so they say the ages of 15 to 50 and you are looking to jackpot you are looking to immigrate what are your options i will list all the five points and then we will touch on each point accordingly of course traveling as a student is number one probably the most popular one number two is traveling as a skilled professional or we'll say skilled or unskilled professional traveling as an investor or entrepreneur or business person traveling for spousal or marriage interests and last but not the least probably the most popular is jackpot via holidays tourism looking at countries that you can go to just to sightsee or opportunities to go meet your family and things like that so we will take it one step at a time one will be traveling as a student Traveling as a student is the most popular one today that we see because, you know, everybody wants to look at it as an opportunity to get some level of permanent residence in any country they're going to. 
and usually the easiest way to do that is to go to school there there are three levels to studying you know academia there's the undergraduate level there's the postgraduate level and there's the doctoral level for the purpose of this podcast we'll probably stick to the first two undergrad and postgrad for the undergrad you know a case study of we could just use a lady jane is 15 years old she's just finished a yec she wants to go to the uk yec is termed o level some people assume that with your wire you can go into europe directly and i mean just to bust that myth except you are going to a private university more often than not o level will not be accepted for you to go directly to undergrad so jane would have to do an a level also called foundation year in you know universities or boarding houses depending on the country you're going to there are usually schools cambridge schools that are available for you to do that when she's done with her A-level course, usually the university has set that up so that the students can make an informed decision about where they want to go study. Now, as opposed to our counterparts in North America where you could go do a number of minors and begin to pick your majors from your second or third year, in the UK or Europe generally, the expectation is that by the time you take some A-level courses, you are clear on where you want to go. So as an art student, you are doing photography these days you're doing fine art you're doing government you're doing history so they touch you on a bit of courses so that you are very clear on what you're you're looking for so generally when we say oh do a personality test one of the reasons is just to figure out what exactly would work for you so jane has to do an a level and at the end of her a level she can then go into year one and spend three years you know in the basic bachelor program now, depending on the other courses that she may be studying, maybe engineering or medicine, there will be a couple of years, you know, tacked on to that. Now, if Jane wanted to go to Canada and she had written a YEC or NECO here, it would be a much more direct process where she would just go to universities or colleges and pick, you know, the courses that she's interested in or a program. And then she could just take a minor-minor program where she could just do a Bachelor of Science or Bachelor of Arts or pick a generic program where by the second or third year she could then cross into her preferred major usually in canada and the us you would spend four years for your undergraduate program so that's jane so if jane goes in at 15 or goes in at 16 the expectation is that at 20 the jane is done with that program now when you go study abroad one of the benefits that students can also take is gap years or semester of programs where you could take a whole semester or a whole session off and tell your school that oh um, I like this program that I've seen in China or I like this program I've seen in Singapore or in Africa. I want to come learn here a bit, do some practicum learnings and then come back for my degree next year. You know, so things like that also are very much available for Jane. For the postgraduate level, when you're done with your first degree, the expectation, depending on what your your story is. Now, I, I would use popular stories in Nigeria. Perhaps Shola only was able to go to and you know do his hnd program here in nigeria and then you know he got an upper credit or even a lower credit he's been working for a couple of years and he wants to get a better future so today shola can go to the uk with his work experience there are a couple of universities that will give him a direct master's admission but shola wanted to go to the us or canada then shola needs to look at postgraduate degree programs or graduate certificate programs that will transition shola from the hnd directly to a postgraduate program now uh, if dubim wanted to go from his first degree maybe he studied sociology he's been working in the bank for a couple of years 
and he wants to go for a postgraduate program he could also go as a student usually we advise that students will go for their masters between the age of 20 and 35 once you're over 35 it begins to pose a number of problems depending on the countries you're going to but of course right now the uk being the in thing students have that flexibility with the age but if you're going to canada one of the advice that i give my students is there are age barriers for everything you do so you must you know take a good look at those age barriers alongside the academic requirements you know that you're already looking at in canada today you cannot go for a master's without a 2-1 only a few schools will take a 2-2 and usually probably an mba program that will be doing that so Dubem is going for a, a postgraduate program in Canada. He has a 2-1 in sociology, but he's been working in the bank. And so after a couple of years, he probably wants to do an MBA or just an MSc management program. He's able to go to Canada or to the US and you know apply for a master's. Usually it'll be a two-year program. In some cases, a one-year or an 18-month program, and he can relocate. Now, about going to school, one of the reasons why this is important for students is that when they go to their preferred destinations, it's either because they are looking at the affordable opportunities or they have family members in these countries who have invited them to come um, and can guide them through the opportunities or in most cases, they are looking to jackpot. And they're looking to jackpot and they're not looking to come back. You know, they're looking for immigration that will probably set themselves up or their families up or if they're not married, their future generation, they intend to have permanent residency, for instance, in Canada or get the type of H-1B-1 visa in the U.S. that would allow them to become um, residents in, you know, down the line, same with the U.K. So, Dubin, for instance, has completed his master's in Ontario. He may have done a one-year program in the University of Waterloo. And at the end of his program, he starts working and he files his papers. Now, Dubin already had a couple of years' work experience uh, before he went to Canada, and now he's done a master's. So, he has his first degree, his second degree. He's 27. He has five years work experience and he's been working in Canada for one year. By the time he applies for his residency, he will be getting at least three years postgraduate work permits, uh, which will allow him to stay back in Canada. Now, usually by the second year of that, he's filed for his permanent residency and he's a resident in Canada. So that's the first point, you know, traveling as a student. There are different policies, you know, that allow for students to go to Australia. Australia today is now competing with Canada again because, you know, they have adjusted some of their immigration policies that were already fantastic. But, you know, one of the issues that people have in Australia today, and we don't get too many inquiries about Australia, is because it's very expensive. And, I mean, you're going down under. You know, if you watch sports, you understand what that means. You're, you're going a day's journey to another continent. So, point number one, traveling as a student. Point number two, traveling as a professional, skilled or unskilled worker. For the purpose of this podcast, we'll just focus on the skilled, which is really the popular one for people from, from Nigeria. And I'm just saying that because most, most unskilled people do not have the required finance or sponsorship to go. So we, we, we hardly get people who say, oh, hi, I'm a carpenter or I'm a welder and I want to go to Canada. And, you know, it will interest you that Canada currently has a welding you know, shortage. So we'll talk about, you know, the skilled professional. Let's assume that Mr. Muiwa has an undergraduate degree here in Nigeria from Unilag. He has a master's from the great Ife OAU and he's been working in his line for, you know, close to seven years. Now, a number of countries from the UK to Canada to Australia today and even New Zealand and some other countries have immigration policies 
um, that want to accept skilled workers, people who have years of experience, right? So Mr. Moiwa already has his experience. Um, he has his uh, his degrees from undergrad to postgrad. So for Canada, they have different NOCs where you see the kind of jobs that the government requires, where the provinces require. And he sees that maybe there are three provinces that have a need for him, for instance, in Canada. And uh, he meets those requirements. Now, in some cases, he only needs to do a West evaluation to convert his results from his Nigerian standard here to the North American standard. So you go to West.org to do that. And then in more often than not, Canada and Australia, he will need to write the IELTS or, you know, the PT or the TOEFL, depending on the country he's going to. But IELTS being the very popular one, if he gets a good grade, you know, he files in his documentation and gets his score. The system automates his score. And once the government, usually the Ministry of Immigration, announces their score for the pooling, then he's able to apply because he will get an invitation to apply once he meets the desired score that has been published. So, for instance, Canada is currently over 500. If you have a 550, you already automatically qualify for you to be invited. Once you get that, you pay your application fee and then you apply for your visa. So, the skilled professional program is usually very straightforward. Usually, in different countries, it could be done by state by state, province by province, or a general, you know, federal government program. So if you are interested in that, it's all about finding the country that has those policies that would help people move, uh, not even as the temporary status, which was for the first point as a student, now to the permanent status, which is having your fast track to citizenship. The episode continues next week. This podcast is brought to you by PineJackpot.ng and produced and recorded by Glee Studios, our co-sponsors. Jackpot Chronicles is a product of PineJackpot.ng. Mm-hmm.